0: of Steve Ripple's life. Um, So it is both my joy and my honor to share this experience as we celebrate who Steve was and celebrate someone who loved Christ so deeply. So let's kick this off with a word of prayer. So would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space as we celebrate the life of Steve Ripple. Be present among us as we say our temporary goodbye. Bring comfort to us as we remember the life of one of your sons who served you so well. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gift of life. Thank you for coming to us so that someday we might go to be with you. Thank you for making new life possible. Thank you that because of your death and resurrection, our goodbye to Steve is only temporary. We praise you today for conquering death. Jesus, we praise you that... You create space for us in your father's house. And we praise you that at this very moment, our brother Steve is checked into his never-ending home in your father's house. Jesus, thank you for the wonderful portrait of a life lived in service to you that Steve has given us. We praise you for the legacy that Steve has left to family and to everyone who had the privilege of knowing him. I pray that we might follow in that legacy. I pray that just like Steve, We would be servants of King Jesus, in your strong name. Amen. Well, today we have gathered to celebrate Steve's life, but even greater, we're celebrating the life that Steve lives right now, which is his resurrected life with his Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So, as we begin this celebration, I'll invite us all to stand and to worship the one who makes that life that Steve is living right now possible, King Jesus. So, let's stand and worship. There's lyrics that are printed on the cards that were on your seats Let's stand.
1: forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned joy to honor. honor My strength, my song This cornerstone This solid ground day,
2: up from the
1: grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood.
0: You may be seated. Thank you, Praise Team. I am still pretty green here at Grace 242 because I became the pastor last December. And when I first came to Grace, the elders were briefing me on the covenant partners here at Grace, and I remember Jeff Stadola, one of our elders, mentioning the name of Steve Ripple. Jeff told me that Steve was a Grace OG. Steve had been with Grace since the beginning and Jeff told me that this man was beloved and that he was fighting a battle with cancer. And Jeff's words were, we love Steve. And so when I first started in December, I made it a point to meet this man who was so dearly loved. And I remember calling Steve and asking him about a meetup. And to my surprise, he says, well, Bill, I'm at Collectivo Coffee in Mequon if you want to come over right now. And I'm like, Okay. So, if I'm perfectly honest, I'm quite nervous, because I'm this brand new pastor, and this guy is a beloved giant at Grace 242, and I don't even know what he looks like, and now I'm going to meet him for coffee. And so I nervously enter Collectivo, and I begin that awkward, like, looking around for someone who you don't know who you're looking for, trying to find somebody's eye, catch somebody's eye, and nobody's eye caught. So I called Steve, and he navigated me to the back of the coffee shop, and that's where I met him, and we sat down to chat. And in my conversation, I have two goals. The first is to know Steve, and then the second goal is to get to know Grace 242 through the eyes of Steve Ripple. So Steve's telling me that he used to be a venture capitalist, and I stop Steve right there, and I say, all right, Steve, you know, I've heard about venture capitalism, but can you tell me what a venture capitalist actually is? And so Steve launches into this marvelous explanation, and he gets done, and I say, so Steve, can you tell me what a venture capitalist... (laughs) is. So it was user error, not explainer error. Well, eventually I asked Steve how he became a Grace 242 OG. And he told me his story about leaving Crossroads and starting Grace. And this launched us into a chat about faith and relationship with Jesus. And, And I don't remember exactly what Steve said, but I remember that as he began to talk about following Christ, he began to cry. And while he spoke, I had no doubt that this man knew and loved Jesus so deeply. I knew that this man had an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ and that his faith was the most important thing to him. Only someone who has a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus could talk the way that Steve talked. So Steve begins crying, and now I'm crying, and I remember chuckling because I thought, here I am crying with a guy I just met a half hour ago. Speaking personally for a moment, this is something I shared with Steve and will miss dearly. That cry with Steve meant so much to me because I respond in the same way. We both share this touch point deep within our souls that turn on the waterworks. For the record, I'm crying as I write this and remembered this moment. That cry and the cries that followed meant so much to me because Steve was a man who was so amazed and inspired by his King Jesus Steve was a man to whom King Jesus meant everything. So when you plumb that relationship with King Jesus deep enough, the response is to cry because Jesus is the innermost part of your soul. King Jesus is the core of Steve Ripple. That cry means so much to me because I know what it's like to cry as a response to the incomprehensible glory of King Jesus. And I left that first meeting with Steve getting it. I got why Steve was so beloved. I mean, I loved him, and I only spent an hour and a half with the guy. I had just met Steve, but I saw how much this guy loved Jesus. And even today, my regret is that I only got to know Steve for eight months, but I'm glad it was eight months and not no months at all. Flash forward to the first of last month. At Steve's request, I head over to his house and Bev opens the door and invites me in and I walk down the stairs and there's a chair set up for me in his living room and Steve is sitting on the couch and DJ, his son, is to my right and Bev takes up her position at the kitchen table. Steve sets aside the popsicle he's been working on and he says, Bill, the doctors tell me that the treatments I've been receiving are no longer having any effect. It's not working anymore. And I said, do they give you a time frame? And he said, six to eight weeks to live. And this began the talks about the planning for this celebration that we're a part of right now, right there in Steve's living room. And later that day, Steve took me out to lunch at Out and Out in Cedarburg. And as we're sitting there eating our lunch, I asked Steve, I said, all right, Steve, you know, as a man who's now looking back at the entirety of his life, what's one of your greatest joys and one of your greatest prides and accomplishments? Because I want to learn from this man. And he said, right away, without me missing a beat, he says, I have four kids and they all follow Jesus. And then I said, all right, Steve, so help me out as a young man. I said, what's one of your regrets or something that you would have changed? And he said, Bill, I I lived so much of my life before I got serious about following Christ. I had so much of my life gone already by the time I finally buckled down and followed Christ. And I regret that I didn't begin to start following him closely sooner. This is the kind of guy Steve was. As we talked celebration of life arrangements that day, DJ asked Steve if there was any scripture that Steve would like read. And Steve, kind of in sort of a dismissive way, said, well, you know, it's all written down in the book over there. And and I said, well, Steve, are you thinking like 1 Corinthians 15? And he says, yeah. And I said, oh, wonderful. I could not think of a better passage for today. It's not often characterized as such, but 1 Corinthians 15 is the gospel all wrapped up in one single chapter of the Bible. The gospel is the story of Jesus, and the story of Jesus is the story of Steve's life. Here's what Paul says in verses 1 through 7 of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers all at one time, most of who are still alive, but some are dead. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also got to see him. This is the gospel in a nutshell, that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead. This is the story of Jesus, that he died, that he was buried, and that he was raised to new life. And after he was raised to new life, he was seen by his followers. People, including Paul, encountered Jesus after he came back to life, and they saw him in his resurrected body. Now, that's the best thing that's ever happened. But here's the good news for us today. Those who believe enter that story with Jesus. The good news is that Jesus brings those who believe with him on his journey through death, through burial, into new life. Here's what Paul says in verses 20 and 23. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. This is the good news for us, that Jesus takes those who follow him along into his journey, into death, and on into new life. This is the good news, that Jesus rose from the dead, and because he rose from the dead, those who follow him also get to rise from the dead. Now, Steve's family and I have tried our best to avoid using the funeral word to describe this gathering today. Instead, we've been opting for the language of celebration of life. Because today we celebrate the new life that Steve is living with King Jesus right now. This is the hope that defines Steve Ripple. That if the cancer killed him, he wouldn't stay dead. Not only would he not stay dead, but that he'd truly begin living. Living a life that never ends with his Savior Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate the fact that Jesus grabs hold of Steve and carries him through death and into new resurrected life. Today we celebrate that cancer is not the last word over Steve's life. The day before Steve died, I went over to his house and Bev directed me to Steve's bedroom. And I walk in the bedroom and here is Steve lying on the bed. His eyes are closed and he is gasping for every single breath that he takes. And I laid my hand on his pajama-clad shoulder and I couldn't believe how skinny he felt. The cancer had just devoured his body. And after praying, I said, Steve, it has been an honor to know you. I told him that he was an inspiration to me, and that if I turned out anything like him, that I'd consider my life a success. And after those words left my mouth, the corner of Steve's mouth, in one gasping breath, turned upward. And I said, I I know you can hear me, Steve. And I tell you that story because the cancer had reduced Steve to the bed, and this skinny man, But today, part of this celebration is that Steve has a resurrected body. Today, Steve is more human than he's ever been in his entire life. Today, Steve has a body that is without blemish. Why? Because Jesus rose to a resurrected body. Today, we thank Jesus that because he rose to a resurrected body, Steve gets to rise to a resurrected body. This is what Paul says in the latter part of Corinthians 15. He says, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And then Paul sets up this Adam-Christ typology. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last man, Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Today we can celebrate that Steve's earthly body has been buried in the weakness of cancer. And that he has risen with the second man, Christ, to a body of strength. A week ago today, we were at a party hosted by some of our people from Grace 242. And the husband, Bob is his name, has been having tremendous back pain. And as he talked to me at that party, I could, his face was locked in a grimace of pain. And Bob asked me, he said, Bill, did you get to see Steve before he died? And I said, yes, I got to pray with him the day before he died. And then we continued talking, and I said, Bob, if you can believe it or not... Steve, right now, has a better body than both you or me. Right in this moment, Bob, if you can believe that. Today, we celebrate that Steve has a better body than any one of us in this room. Back to my meeting in Steve's living room on July 1st, when the celebration of life discussion had wrapped up, I leaned back in my chair, and I felt my eyes light up when I said this, and I said, Steve, you get to meet him. And Steve started to respond, and Bev totally interjects, and she says, Oh, Bill, you don't know the half of it. He's all excited to meet Jesus. And we start laughing. And I said, Bev, you just used the word excited to describe Steve's death. But this is who they are. This is their faith. That they can use the word excited to describe Steve's death because it's not about his death, but it's about his meeting his King Jesus. That Steve can be excited about the King who brings Jesus along on the journey through death into new life. And when the laughter about Bev's excited comment had died down, Steve said, Bill, he said, when I used to picture meeting Jesus, I used to imagine just peppering him with all these inquiries like how do humans have free will but God knows everything that's going to happen? You know, like was the earth legitimately created in a 24 hour day period, 6 days, you know (laughs) this kind of thing and he says and of course a tear began rolling down his cheek when he said this and he said, Bill, now when I imagine seeing Jesus and meeting Jesus I just sit in the silence and I just sit in the happiness of being with my king I don't say a word this is Steve Ripple a man whose entire life pointed to the moment when he'd finally meet the king who had brought him on the journey through death into new life amen So I'm going to turn it over to Steve's sons, and they're going to kick off this time of sharing, and they're going to set some parameters, and um, I'll turn it over to you guys.
3: My name is DJ, and I'm Steve's oldest son, and as we talked about together, uh, as it was actually just before Father's Day this year, as we talked about what this time of celebration might look like, there were very few things that my dad was resolute. One was that he wanted, um, he wanted there to be a message that was based on scripture. Another one was that he wanted there to be food trucks. And so, <laughs> so as we leave, there'll be food trucks. And, and the third one was that he wanted the room to be set like this. And he wanted the room to be set like this because a couple of years ago, he, along with some of my siblings and my mom, went to a uh, memorial service for a man that he knew through Habitat for Humanity and work that he had done there. And the cornerstone of what they had done as a part of that memorial service was a time of sharing. And it wasn't just a time of sharing where people, as you often see, stood at the front of a church or of a building and shared out to um, a group of folks who were sitting there. But it was people who were sitting in a circle, sharing with each other memories of this man and the impact that, it, that he had had in their lives, and s- funny stories, and touching stories. Um, but that's what my dad wanted us to be able to do. And I think he saw that as a gift to our family, and he saw that as a gift to everyone who would be here, because he felt like he walked away from that memorial service knowing the man that they were there to celebrate better than he did when he walked in. And so I guess our hope in, in doing this is that we would all be able to walk away knowing my dad, knowing your friend, knowing the man that you went to church with, the man that you were in business with for years, knowing Steve Ripple better because of what we are about to share right now than than we did when we walked in the door. So as as we do this, there are just a couple of of uh, I guess ground rules for lack of a better term. And if you if you if you'd like to share, we just ask that that you would. Um, you kind of raise your hand. We have microphones, not so much because we're worried that people can't hear you, but because we want to be able to capture these memories and these stories. Um, and what we'll do is somebody will bring you a microphone, and, and then when it, is, when it is your turn, if you will just stand up where you are, uh, give your name and, and how you're connected to Steve, um, and then share a quick story or a quick memory um, or something that, that might bless his family and friends. Uh, and then, when you're done, just sit back down and we'll, we'll move the mic on to someone else. But we hope that, that this is a time that is a blessing to, to everyone here in this room. And so, to kick that off, uh, my brother Dan said that he uh, had some things prepared.
4: Thanks, Steve. My name is Dan. Steve is my dad. Um, there's this poem that gets passed around sometimes when people die, it's called The Dash. Many of you might know it. I think it's kind of cheesy, so I'm not going to read it to you. Um, You can find it online. Uh, But the, the premise of it is that when someone passes away, we usually see the date that they were born and the date that they died. And then there's this dash in between. And the author of the poem talks about how this little insignificant piece of punctuation is like the thing that we use to represent that person's life. When you look at that, and that we focus so much on The beginning and the end, but we rarely, in that scenario, look at what happened in between. And when I think about my dad, and I think about that little dash, I think about how well he lived that. When I think about my dad, there's a lot of things that I'll remember. Um, I want to share just a couple of little thoughts with you. Um, He was always literally my biggest fan. Uh, When I was in high school, anytime I did anything competitive, he was, I I can't remember a time where he didn't make it to a game or track meet or cross country meet. And when I was running track, I remember he would always show up and he always had his own stopwatch in his hand. (laughs) Just in case someone missed the finishing time, he was like the next timer. They never used his time, I don't think. Um he was a he was a funny guy there's a few there's there's two little stories I want to share that float around in our family. They're kind of an in infamy about my dad um, One of them was around Christmas time. My mom at the time at the church we were going to was in charge of the nativity scene, and we were all really young and we were at home with my dad and my mom was at church, and she was getting ready with all the shepherds and the angels and mary and joseph and and she now you know and and she had called my dad, and she said, Steve, would you bring—we had this, like, stuffed lamb that they used for uh, for decoration at the house during Christmas time. She said, would you bring the lamb? Like, she was going to use it in the nativity, like, last minute. And the other thing that happened is that a couple of days before that, my parents had gone and bought a new lamp. And uh, it was this nice, gold, shiny lamp, and my dad heard lamp instead of lamb, and so— He gets us all in the car, and we're all, you know, all four of us sitting in the back seat, and we have this lamp draped across our laps. And my dad runs up the stairs to the church with this lamp in hand, and my mom just locked eyes from him across the way, and she said, Lamb, not lamp! And he was forever known for many years as the man who brought the lamp to Christmas. Another quick story took place in the summer when um, we were, my sisters and I were in middle school, and uh, we used to use this stuff called um, sun in in our hair. It was like this it was this like natural stuff that would bleach your hair it was mostly like lemon or something like that and um, and every morning for as long as I can remember, I'd watch my dad spray hairspray in his hair um, he didn 't have much hair if he knew him, and so he would try to just keep whatever he had under control and um, for a couple days, unbeknownst to us, he would grab for the sun in instead of the hairspray. And one day he came home from work and his hair was just a nice summery blonde. And and I said, "Dad, what what is going on with your hair?" And he and he's like, "I know, it's like getting lighter, right?" And. And we, through a process of elimination, we figured out that he had actually just been spraying this stuff in his hair (laughs) accidentally for for a while at that point. And so I thought he was looking pretty good. Uh, He spent hours helping with my math homework. Uh, He would teach himself trigonometry and calculus before he'd teach me what I probably should have learned in class that day. Uh, He took me and my sisters for our first tattoos when we turned 18, and he even paid for them. He taught us how to travel and embrace culture. He taught us to work hard. He taught us to be generous and grateful for what we have. And above all, he taught us to honor God above everything else. I'm really grateful for that. Almost four weeks ago, I became a dad for the first time. And my daughter, Rosemary, was born on a Monday morning, really early, and the first person I called was my dad. And he said, when he found out that we were going to have a baby, he said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be around for that baby's birth. And he was. And she never got to meet him. just didn't work out. And But I believe that just as he prepared me to be a man, he prepared me to be a dad. And I know that every day she is going to know him she knows me. <laughs> um, I got one more quick story to share. This is something that my dad shared with us um, a couple months before he passed. One of the blessings that we had in the almost year that we knew that he was sick and it was terminal and he was going to die is that we as a family had the opportunity to be really intentional. Not everyone gets that, but we did. And we knew that every Christmas, Thanksgiving, every time our family was able to all be together around the table was going to be probably one of the last times we were able to do that with my dad. And so around Christmas time, one of us asked him, you know, Dad, do you remember any stories from when you were young? And it was Christmas. And he, he told us a story about his Uncle Fred and Aunt Mame. And um, he said that every Christmas um, they'd go over to Uncle Fred's house, and they would all have dinner. And he, they would sit. Uh, uh, he would sit all the kids down after dinner around the Christmas tree, and he would give them all a fifty cent piece. And he would tell them this story. And some people in the room, I'm sure, know this. And uh, it was a story about a man and some birds. And he said um, Uncle Fred grew up in the Czech Republic, and he had a neighbor who was a farmer, and this farmer loved birds, and he loved the fact that he could, he, he lived alone, and so the birds were kind of his companions, and he would, he would put out breadcrumbs around his windowsill to feed these birds, and they would come every day, and he would watch them, and it made, made him so happy. And one day, it was winter time, and it was just really, really cold. It had been a really cold winter, and he felt really bad for these birds, and so he thought, if I could just get these birds into my barn, they would be warm, they'd be protected from the elements, and um, and so he tried for, for days to try to get these birds to come in the barn. He made a breadcrumb trail, and they would follow it, and the birds would come in, and right about when he was going to shut the doors to the barn and keep them nice and warm and safe, they would fly out. And he tried this over and over again, and, and the birds would just fly out and sit on this um, fence outside and just stare at him and, and look at him like, what are you doing? And He tried it a couple times, and then eventually he said, he just threw up his hands, and he said, if only I could be a bird for a moment, you would know how much I love you. And Uncle Fred would say, that is the message of Jesus. That is the message of the gospel. That is why Jesus came, so that we would know, we would have someone who looked like us, walked like us, act like us, to know that God loved us that much, to send us someone that that we could relate to. And as Bill said, one of my dad's biggest regrets was that he didn't know Jesus really personally until later in life. But I would argue that my dad's strong faith, his unwavering faith, his excitement to see Jesus showed more faith than he would have had in 10 lifetimes. And we know that today we do rejoice, and this is a celebration because even though cancer did take his earthly body, we believe that today he is whole. And I just don't say that because it's a nice thing to think about or because it makes us feel better, but because I believe that and we believe that, that he is whole today and that Jesus has restored him. Thank you. All right, so I'm going I'm
3: to share real fast, and then if, if, if you have something you would like to say, please uh, raise your hand. In fact, we have another microphone, so if you, if you know you'd like to say something, you can raise your hand up, and we'll get that get that to you right now. Um, but as as Bill had mentioned, and as many of you know, my father um, my father was in finance. He spent his life investing. He spent his his early years investing in in family and in education. He spent his his business years investing in um, in companies and turning them over and turning a profit. Uh, and he spent, I would say, his latter years investing in people. Uh, and that—that's probably his greatest investment—is the time that he spent investing in people. He spent his time investing in us as a family, in his kids, in his wife. Um, but I think the, the some of the coolest things to see as an adult, as an adult child, was how he invested just in community in general. Um, you know, my dad. My dad served with the church. He served at the guest house down in Milwaukee. He would—he would go there once a month. Faithfully for years, seven or eight years, he spent going down once a month and serving, um, serving the men at that mission. He, um, he did 17 cycles of the Truth Project over the course of 11 years. Um, and I know that, that in, in getting a chance to go to, to his Bible study on Saturday mornings, many people were impacted by that. Um, I think if I take one thing away from, from my father, I'm thankful for the way that he invested in me for the way that he um, gave me an appreciation for a good movie. He gave me an appreciation for a well-grilled piece of meat. Um, <laughs> he gave me an appreciation for travel. Um, he gave me an appreciation for, for photography. And, and ultimately, as, as we've heard to this point, just how he was an incredible encourager. He invested in and poured into the people around him in the hopes that they would invest in and pour into the people around them in the same way that, that, um, that God did to him. And I guess as I, the, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot over the last week or two is just this idea of legacy. And that is my dad's legacy, is this idea of investment. And, and that it's not about, it's not about money but really the biggest investment, the best investment we can make is in the people around us. And as my brother said, I hope that I can be half the man that my father was. Um, And I think looking around at the people who are gathered here, my dad made a really, really good investment.
2: My name is Peggy, and um, I just want to say that uh, when I walked into this room today, this is a nature center, but when I walked into this room today, I could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I just um, don't know why the Lord had uh, my husband and I meet Steve and Beverly, but um, we met them at a Bible study that we were invited to. We had no idea who they were before And, um, there was always something about Steve that, um, I don't know, just did something to my heart. And I believe now that I know what it was. It was Jesus Christ living in him and through him. I, I feel like, um, I don't know, there's just a different feeling in this room today. He's here. And I feel like, um, all these people here honoring him, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing, um. I just want to say thank you, Bev, and God bless the whole family.
5: I'm Steve's sister, and uh, we were both born in the same year. He was born in January. And I was born in December, so we always shared one month of being the same age. And every year he would call me and say, how does it feel to be the same age as me? But It it was good for a year, but he never missed a year of calling me. And I know that um, his physical life has ended, but I like to think of the beginning of our times. And uh, we spent a lot of time together in the playpen. And I got... (laughs) I got to know him real well. In fact, we became drinking buddies at that time. We, both were on bottles, and um, we we grew up. and And he was always my big brother. Um, He taught me how to drive. (laughs) He um, interviewed my boyfriends. In fact, I married one of his friends. (laughs) And uh, he was just always there for all of us. And if something came up in the family, he stood up and took care of it, especially after my parents died. So, anyway, it's a big loss.
6: Good joke, so I can laugh before I cry. <laughs> um. Would you use yep. <laughs> I'm Mary. I'm Steve's younger sister. His second best sister, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, we're about five and a half years apart, and um, <laughs> I know when we were growing up. I was the annoyance. (laughs) I was. He did not like me because I was the person who would say, can I have some of that pizza? (laughs) And, you know, we were just far enough apart in age that we lived in different worlds. And then um, when he moved to Milwaukee and he worked for Capital Investments, I remember I came down and visited him and he took me out to lunch one day and we were at the top of some big building downtown and I had to wear a dress and you know, and I was just so impressed with the life he had. I got to know Bev and when Tim and I, my husband married, we used to double date a lot. (laughs) We'd go to numero uno's pizza and spend a lot of time together. Um, I'm a nurse as well, and um, so I had—I um, had the honor of being there when DJ was born at my hospital. I just—I worked days, and then I stayed for PMs and took care of Beth and. He came at, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> something like that. And then I also had the honor of being there when the triplets were born. And we made the front page of the Mike's Light <laughs> magazine. And everybody that I worked with, including my friend Jody, all knew about the Ripple-Triple, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was the second set of triplets ever at the hospital. And it was just wonderful. In fact, I'll re- I remember the time when Bev... She had an ultrasound during the pregnancy, and I don't know if you remember this, but she came over to my house. She was alone when she went for her ultrasound, and she came over to my house, and she's like, Mary, I don't know how to tell Steve this. (laughs) And she said, the girl's doing the ultrasound, and she goes, oh, you know, Mrs. Ripple, you know you're having twins, right? And I was like, what? And then all of a sudden, she was like, oh, my gosh there's another head there. (laughs) And that's... (laughs) So I don't know exactly how you did it, but we talked a lot about different ways that you could, you know, that you could break the news to Steve. (laughs) Literally. I do remember many a day after I was done working, um, I would come and feed a baby. (laughs) And, you know, it it was really... One of the best times of my life as well. And then I think our families got really busy, even though we lived 30 minutes apart. There were years where we saw each other once or twice at the holidays or something like that. So I think the the gift for me that Steve gave me or this last year, was really himself and reconnecting with the family. Um, I was able to come over and Bev and I would have coffee and go downtown Cedarburg and shop. <laughs> I mean, that's really great. And I got to pick up DJ at the airport and got to see him a lot and his family. And um, it really was, it was a wonderful gift. And I could see how close this family was. And then I got to be there when he left us. And that was... I was happy to be there. I was honored to be there. And he fought hard. But I agree with you, DJ. What a wonderful legacy that he's left in all of us. So thank you for listening to my rambling and my crying, but...
7: Yeah. Um, I'm John. I'm Steve's uh, youngest brother, 11 years younger. My story isn't as, um, um, uh, I don't know how to put it, as uh, detailed as Mary's. But I'm going to tell you one thing that jumps out, and this, is, this was Steve. Um, I... <sighs> I was living in um, Chicago, I was about to get married and my wife and I were getting married in Milwaukee and we needed to have a rehearsal dinner and we could have picked anywhere. Um, But Steve came up with an idea of the best place to have a rehearsal dinner and it was on your front lawn. It was in underneath a tent, and it was the best damn rehearsal dinner ever. Steve cooked, and um, hopefully you all remember, but um, it was one of these situations that that was Steve, that was Steve to us, and I really appreciate it and remember that. It was great. I am Steve. <laughs> I am Steve's. I my name is Ethan. I am Steve's grandson and I've always wanted to speak through a microphone. So I'm glad I am speaking through this microphone right now.
8: Tell your memory about
7: grandpa. Go ahead. I really like going fishing with grandpa. So, oh. Um, I always like going fishing with my other grandpa, too.
5: Yeah. Thank you for sharing.
9: Okay. <laughs> 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 um, I just wanted to say a few words about, oh, sorry, I'm Rachel, DJ's wife, and these are our boys, Drew and Cole, um, about Steve as a grandpa, because many of you, well, we live out of town. We live in the Northwest, so um, it's likely you may not have seen Steve as a grandpa, but if you take a look over at the wall over there, uh, you'll see Steve loved his grandbabies and uh, he loved to snuggle them. I think there are multiple baby pictures of every single one of them but Steve was, Steve and Bev were out when Cole was two weeks old and uh, Steve loved to snuggle those babies and hold them close. He was out when Drew was three weeks old. But some of our most favorite memories, Steve was a really fun grandpa. And again a side of him you may not have seen or known as much but uh, two years ago DJ and I were headed to New York City for a week. I was going to a teacher training there and Um, and we invited Bev and Steve to come out and stay with the boys, and Bev had already made plans, and Steve said, I'll go, and I thought, by yourself, (laughs) and he said, I'll come, and Steve flew out on his own, and he spent four or five days with the boys, and uh, one of the most memorable things, Cole talks about this, I'm sharing a little bit for you, is they went through the recycle bin. Steve would come with these science kits. He and Bev would come at at the holidays and spend an entire day baking Christmas cookies from, I'm not going to remember whose recipe, Aunt Gert's recipe. I've heard a lot about Aunt Gert. I didn't get the privilege of meeting her. Um, They would bake Christmas cookies the entire day in the kitchen, and we'd deliver them to neighbors. But Steve was out with our boys, and they went through the recycle bin, and they built a marble run from the top of the stairs all the way wrapped down around with every like a water bottle and toilet paper tube and pay, I mean any anything you could find and blue tape and the, the kids FaceTime us. Look at this. It's amazing. Look what grandpa did with us. Um, but he lived big with our boys. He loved them really well. He was so creative. One of our, our best gifts I think, from the boys are often, from Bev and Steve, really creative, thoughtful. We get these kiwi crates that each month they get to build a new toy, and we would FaceTime and show Steve as the kids were building them. Um, but we appreciated the, the thoughtfulness in knowing them well, the investment, again, as DJ mentioned, the time into the boys. And um, we have some real deep memories there that we will treasure, including fishing with Grandpa.
10: morning my name is david lang and i had the privilege of spending a lot of time with steve in bible studies we have a saturday morning men's bible study that steve was a part of for a long time we also went through the truth project and i'm curious how many other people went through the truth project with steve and bev yeah he was great at that one of the things i really admired about steve was his ability to contextualize the bible you know, it's so easy to take things out of character, take one line here, one line there. Steve always had such a great understanding of who God was, of who God's character is. He was able to take whatever line in the Bible and, and make sure that it was in accordance with the character of God. And so going forward, he's a huge loss for us. But going forward, I'll always take that with me, that he was uh, able to do that for us as a group and so knowledgeable. So thank you.
11: Hi, I'm Judy Lotus. Um, My husband, Rich, and Steve went to college together. Um, We kind of grew up together, I guess, with our children. Um, All the kids that Steve and Bev had, and we had one daughter. They traveled a lot together also. We went to Europe several times with Bev and Steve, and I remember our first trip. um, Steve says, you want to go to Europe? We said, oh, let's try it. So three weeks we were gone. (laughs) And And you have to know Steve, he had... We were like part of the travel group. Steve was the leader. He had everything planned out from the time we got on the plane to our our train trips to our times that we went to Versailles and did bike riding and stuck our feet over the canal and ate lunch. Um, It was just a terrific time with Steve, and we've really appreciated our time at the cottage with Steve and Bev and the kids that we grew up with when they used to play the, the pilgrims remember out on the deck you guys had all dressed up like pilgrims (laughs) (laughs) but we just had a great time and i and steve was a blessing to rich and myself and um hope that we're going to be seeing you guys i'm sure in the future for all the little get togethers so thank you
10: um hi my name's kevin and i'm i'm kind of kind of a mystery why I'm here. I mean, I've known of Steve, I've known of him for maybe two or three years, but I've maybe talked to him maybe a, a total of an hour or two, but I feel very sad that he's not here, and uh, it just, his, the, the time that he did spend with me was, was, uh, you felt like someone was listening to you, you've, and he was just I don't, it's just weird. I mean, I'm I'm standing here for someone that I hardly even know, but there there was such an impact on me, and I'm I'm grateful to have to be able to say that.
12: Hi, my name is Diane Johnson. My husband and I have known Steve and Bev for about 11 years, ever since we came back to Wisconsin. And the thing that struck us most about the two of them are they are people people. Just like Kevin shared, you didn't have to spend all that much time with them, and you'd really feel that you were accepted, you were listened to, you were understood. And as I got to know Steve better over the years... We went through Truth Project with him. He's been in Bible studies with him. But the thing I remember most is, and it struck me when DJ said it, it's not about the money. The older he got, the more he was passionate about his service projects and about connecting with people. And I remember I was in a group with him about three years ago here. We were talking about what we wanted to do with our lives, what what purpose we saw in our lives, and the thing that Steve shared was I'd like to go part-time. I really feel the urge to get go part-time and spend more time with people and with my service projects with the Habitat for Humanity, feeding the hunger, and so on. But even more than that, no matter who he was with, you really felt uplifted and you felt he was connecting and he was such a mentor. He's going to be greatly missed, but we're waiting to see him again.
10: Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Dave Koskinen and was another fortunate member of the Saturday Morning Bible Study group that Steve was uh, was an anchor of. And Steve's whole life was, to me, summarized in humble uh, humility and also service, we had an opportunity that was a, a tremendous gift a few weeks ago to gather with Steve uh, to, in essence, to say goodbye, but also, more importantly, to let him know how much he meant to us and what, what his service, uh, how it was represented to us. One of the things that we shared was that he was consistently uh, very, very representative of Christ in the way that he modeled his life, and... His, in typical Steve response, he said, anything that you see reflective of Christ in me is not due to me. It's due to my relationship with Christ. And to me, that just spoke volumes of who he was and the way that he lived his life was so consistent with his faith. And he lives a tremendous legacy of his faith and the way that he lives his, lived his life and the way that he reflected on his children as well. So we were so grateful for that gift of time with Steve. We thank you all uh, so much. Uh, DJ, it was wonderful to have you a part of so many of those services. Uh, what a legacy to be able to hear from uh, other people that had such an influence. Uh, we so positively impacted by your dad, and we're grateful for that time. Thank you.
8: Hi, I'm Erin. I am one of Steve's daughters. And there were a couple of things I wanted to share. Um, I remember, um, like Dan was saying, helping with math. We had, for a long time, we had, I'm thinking it was Grandma and Grandpa's table. They're old Micah table with the apples on it. And it had the green stripe in the center. And I always thought it was very funny. My dad, whenever we needed to work out a math problem, he'd just grab the pencil and write on the table. And he would write out the math problem and erase it. And I just thought, that's the coolest thing ever. You can write on the table. Um, and so I just have those memories of, of him helping with homework. And um, I loved, in high school, talking with my dad about, like, my world history stuff. And my dad, like, recited He didn't read my history book, but it was like he was reciting it back to me. Like, he knew so much and just stayed all in his head. And I was just like, my dad's the smartest person in the world. Like, he should be president. Like, he's so smart. And, like, and I could always ask him about, you know, even things that, you know, were going on in the world. And he'd just be like, sweetie. And he'd tell me, like, you know just, like, the history of it, and, like, don't worry about this, and this is how this has been going, and, you know, so you can think... He was just, like, calm, you know, my, like, misunderstandings or anxieties about things I didn't know, just with his, like, knowledge, and it was very helpful to me, and it was something I really took solace in, but I think something I really enjoyed about my dad was that he loved a good story, and I'm sure with movies, that was a big thing. It was, you know, if you had a good movie, there's a good story there, and I started... um, I started reading to my dad, I think, in high school, probably, or maybe middle school. I read books aloud to him, and I mean, my dad, he was lovely. He's not always, like, the most effusive person, you know, especially, I mean, he he was, it's not like we gabbed and chatted, but I could spend time with him reading a book, and it was really fun, and he would just sit there, we'd, he'd sit on one love seat in the living room, I'd sit on the other, and I'd read, be reading Harry Potter or something, and he'd be like yeah, you can read another chapter of that. Like, we can, you know, we can keep going with the story. And we both, like, sobbed at the end of Little Prince when I read that to him. And, you know, it just, like, it was, and even, like, when, so when we found out, you know, that he was, had cancer and that um, it was terminal, it was like, I want to spend time with my dad and what should I do? And, you know, my husband was like, you can read to him. So it was very special and just even thinking what stories do I want to share with my dad and even if he was having a bad day or was falling asleep or just he would sit there and he might have his eyes closed but he'd say you can read another chapter and we got to share some great stories and um, I think it was just something we bonded with when I was younger and we could continue that and even when he was, you know, we, he didn't have much consciousness, you know, and it was like, I don't know what to say. I, I could read to him, and I could read a good story. So I was very thankful to be able to spend that time with my dad. Um, so I, I love reading to my kids, and we'll just continue to share good stories together. So...
0: Well, what I think I'll do is, this will kind of be our last call, so if you want to say something, um, now's your time. Okay, Jeff, yeah, thanks, Jeff.
13: I'm Doug Armstrong. I had the privilege of worshiping with Steve at uh, various churches and various Bible studies, but... uh, One of the things I can say is no matter what the venue was, Steve was always consistent. And as we drew closer together in men's Bible study, one of the things that always impressed me was Steve's affirming nature. Um, He had a, a remarkable way of affirming people and kind of bringing them back on track if they were on a bunny trail or somewhere in the Bible. He would never say, you're wrong, or you maybe misinterpreted something. With his uh, very memorable smile, in an affirming way, he would bring people back on track. And um, I think that's one of the things that I'll always remember about him, is his friendship, his love, and his... um, Very affirming nature.
0: Well, thank you very much for that time. So I'm sure you've all blessed the family richly with that. So thank you for being willing to take the risk of public speaking and and share for all of us. So praise the Lord for that. I'm going to pray to kind of end our sharing time here, and then I'm going to turn it over to the sons again. They're going to have some instructions for you all um, before we send you out. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, once again, we just thank you for this incredible gift you have given each and every one of us, this man, Steve Ripple. Um. Lord, uh, so many of us are here today because of the legacy that Steve is leaving us, because of how much Steve loved you, God. Um, It is so encouraging to see how many people saw the difference that his walk with your son Jesus made in his life. Um, Lord, thank you for uh, relationships. Thank you for loving us enough to create us and then to save us through your son Jesus. And we thank you for the relationships that we all had with Steve and um, Lord, we just celebrate the fact that your servant is home and um, that he's in your son's presence as we speak and that uh, if we have the same hope that Steve had, that someday we'll not only get to see Steve again, but we'll get to meet your your son, Jesus. Lord, I just praise you for this time together. I praise you for this celebration of life that we can, um, through the tears, know that this is not the end. In fact, in many ways, it's just the beginning, Lord, and um, we praise you for the gift of life that you give us. We praise you for the gift of new life through your Son. In your name, amen. So I'll invite you guys, you have instructions for us. Dan, thanks.